Welcome to the Superhost Unveiled podcast, where a small family created a thriving vacation rental business in the heart of the White Mountains. Founded by husband and wife duo Peter and Julia Plord, with the help of their business-savvy daughter Hannah, Peter was able to leave his full-time job and move him and his wife to their dream location. Together, we'll discuss the secrets of building a successful vacation rental business and beyond. Pack your bags, let's check in for the journey of your life. Here are your super hosts, Hannah and Peter Plord. All right, welcome back everyone to another episode of Superhost Unveiled. I am really excited. It's like our first time interviewing a man by himself. The solo entrepreneur, Phil Desenza is with us. And he's from, I think, is it Central Michigan, Phil? Where exactly are you? You'd call it Southeast Michigan, Metro Detroit area. Okay. Um, so why don't we just dive right in? Let's tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Like, what do you do for work? Um, about a little bit about how you got into Airbnb and uh, vacation rentals. Totally. So I was born and raised here in Michigan, haven't left, went to U of M for my undergrad and then Wayne State for my MBA. And I work for one of the big three auto companies. So very uh, Michigan boy. And I have always been interested in real estate for a few reasons. Um, one being you know, every property you could get is, is unique. All, every design of every house is unique. And that really interested me. Um, and along with that is it's limited, right? So you buy a house, there's only one of them. The space on earth is, is not getting any bigger. Um, so you can expect the values to go up. So that always intrigued me. Um, and on top of that, hospitality is really important to me. I love making people feel welcomed and invited. Uh, and not going to lie, I like making money. So after I bought my first house that I live in uh, here in Ferndale, Michigan, uh, I moved some friends in to rent out rooms. And then this summer, I made the dive into taking on a couple of short-term rentals. I was able to buy two a uh, little up north from me, about an hour and a half north. It's uh, If you're familiar with Michigan, it's by the thumb. So we're, we are on the water and real estate prices were, were very affordable. So I was able to pick up two and I'm, I'm learning a lot about this Airbnb process of setting up a house and, and I'm just loving it. <clears throat> that is amazing. And, you know, you, you said things that I want to dive into right away uh, because first of all, buying a primary and then renting out rooms is not normal for most people. So before we go there, so what, when, how long have you had your primary? And um, was that years ago? Or was it recently? Uh, I've had my primary for three years now. I got it uh, just, so I'm a young guy, I'm 27. So once I got it, you know, I, I still had a bunch of friends in the area and I still do. So um, it's been it's been a bit of a revolving door. I've had a handful of people in here, but right now I've got a really good core group of two friends, really clean, uh, good friends. So, um, yeah, always never lived alone. Definitely, that was not. my in next, the basement. Yeah, that was kind of my next question. Was like, all right, is this guy married? Does he have kids? And he's house hacking, you know? So, <laughs> um, it, good good to know that you are 27. That's incredible. First of all, to have, you know two Airbnbs going and a house hack going. So well, I still want to stick on the house hack thing. And I want to kind of talk about what you do for the big three automakers, if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. so was this like, were you listening to bigger pockets? Uh, did you think about having roommates um, on your own? Like what triggered that idea? 
You know, I only found bigger pockets. I got to be honest, a couple months ago. Okay. I, I just, I've always had an affinity for making money. It's always intrigued me. Um, and anything that I can do extra on top of my job uh, really interests me. And so I, I, I bought the house and I bought it specifically so I could move three friends in uh, at the time. And uh, best decision I've ever made for a while. I was, I was living alone or living for free because of the rents they paid. Not quite the case right now, but it, it's always nice having that extra help. Um, but yeah, I live in the basement with my dog, uh, but the house is, it's all one house. It's not a duplex, but I plan on eventually if, uh, if these guys end up moving out at any point, um, I'm going to Airbnb the main house out and then put a, put a wall uh, on separating the basement where I am, put a little kitchen down here. There's a separate entrance. So I got plans for it to do Airbnb. Uh, but for right now, just loving living with my friends. Wow. That's, it's amazing that you're, that, I don't know. I never heard of house hacking like that term or any of that stuff until I kind of got turned on to bigger pockets and to have the, the mindset that you had, you know, at a young age, obviously to understand like, and I don't know if this is what your thought process was. I'm curious about it. Um, I'm really fascinated with the fire movement, even though I'm way older than you. Um, but that, are you familiar with the fire movement? Did, did that play a role in, in, in any of these decisions? Uh, I'm actually not familiar. Uh, it's just, it's an acronym for financial independence, retire early. Um, hmm. And there's a whole like movement about, about it that's been around for years. I don't know. Have you ever heard of Mr. Money Mustache? I've never heard of him. <laughs> okay. So uh, we won't get into it uh, in detail, but uh, get into the, the weeds on it. But basically, he, he, he's a blogger, a very famous blogger now in that world who kind of has motivated others to look into you know, alternative ways of living so they can not have a W-2 job. So he was an engineer. Um, you know, he's very big on frugality, living way below your means, house hacking, um, you know, riding your bike to work if it's possible, not having a car payment, you know, all this stuff that mm -hmm. it seems like I was, I was curious about you because what you did again, without knowing any of this stuff is, is, is kind of fits, fits you, you into these kind of boxes of like someone that was looking to, you know, removing your home expense, which is your, our biggest expense, right? If you're able to do that, you can really up your savings rate, um, you know, for you, obviously for your lifetime. And then, you know, eventually if you wanted to retire early, you could. So, that's that's a, a long way of saying what what Mr. Money Mustache is all about. But look, yeah, at, I like this guy. I need yeah, to check look him out. Up. It's it's a cool blog. I mean, he's a uh, he's probably earning six figures off his blog. I'm guessing. Uh, hmm. So yeah, there's a lot to learn from Mr. Money Mustache. So, but I'm just amazed that you did all this without bigger pockets or or any kind of you know like um, influence from someone like that. So that's I just I'm I'm really um, I didn't understand. I didn't know this going into this conversation that this was going to go this way. So it's like <laughs> exciting to meet someone at 27 that kind of understands like, all right, I had roommates in college. If I have roommates at my new house, I could move them in. I, you know, I could have them live there and pay 
a lot of my mortgage. And at times it seems like they paid all of your mortgage, which is amazing, mm -hmm. you know, like to not have a $1,500 mortgage payment or whatever it is, 2000, maybe 2,500 for some people, you know, how much can you save? And did you, did you save it or did you, you know, are you, are you a saver or like, what's your deal there? Oh yeah. I'm, I'm a very frugal person. Always have been uh, eating oatmeal and eggs a couple meals a day. Um, I, I just love <laughs> the idea of, I know my limits in terms of what sort of uh, creature comforts I can forego. And for me, like I, I'm, I'm okay eating oatmeal every day. I enjoy it. And so I know that's an area I can save money. And I love the feeling that I'm saving money. I hate spending it. Um, so, so I absolutely saved every bit that I could. Oh, that's fantastic. And I promise listeners that this is a podcast about Airbnb and, and, and short-term rentals, and we will get to that, but I'm just geeking out about, um, about Phil right now. So, so you, what did you go to college for? Like, did you specifically go to college thinking I'm going to go work for one of the big automotors uh, companies? Cause you live in Detroit. You know, I had no idea what I wanted to do in college. And honestly, when it comes to having a job, I still don't know what I want to do, really. But <laughs> I, I studied at U of M uh, information science. So I ended up getting a job in IT at one of the big autos. And I, it was a rotational program at first, did a few jobs. And right now, I, am, I actually help police departments around North America use data from the vehicles to manage their fleets. So I'm working with sheriffs and captains of police and helping them to use this interface that we have to see what vehicles need maintenance. Are drivers wearing their seat belts? Are they speeding? Things like that. Um, helping them make decisions from the data. Really enjoy it. Working from home. Um, and, and I think working from home really, I, don't, I can't be alone on this. I think it, it helps people really think about what they could be doing outside of work because maybe they have some more time or they're, they're more in their own space. And I think it brings out the entrepreneurial side of people. Um, so I actually started a, a business as well, totally unrelated to real estate, um, running a, a liquidation business here in, in Michigan. Um, and, and yeah, that's, that's what keeps me busy for the most part, those two things. All right. Well, now I want to get into the liquidation business, but we won't go there yet. Let's go. Let's, okay. Let, let's, let's get on track. Let me get us back. Let us get us back on track. So, okay. So you said a couple, a couple years ago, a year ago, you bought your primary. And then what, what, what made you think about doing the short-term rental thing and kind of maybe take us into that first house. And you know, secondly, it's amazing not many people buy two houses in the same year, you know, as, as investments. So that's, that's pretty awesome too. So what, maybe take us through that whole thing where it came to you, like, I'm going to do this. Is it just cause you, did you travel on Airbnb? Did you, or, you know, what, what triggered that idea? So it was, let's see, it was, la it was this past summer and I, I knew I wanted to get a, a place up North, um, because I wanted to rent it out. And it also would give me a place to go uh, whenever I wanted to, you know, hopefully as a free stay, because I'd be making money as a short-term rental. I had never run a short-term rental before. I had only stayed at Airbnbs a handful of times, honestly. Um, but it was summertime in Michigan and it's just a beautiful place to be. And I know that up North Michigan is a, uh, that's kind of a term we use here up North is anywhere uh, North of, 
you know, an hour north of me and it's, it's beautiful. So I wanted to get a place up there. And I remembered that I had a friend in Bay City who is a real estate agent and Bay City is an hour and a half north of me. So not too far away. Uh, let me see if she can help me out. And she showed me a few houses and the real estate prices at the time were unreal. They were um, so much more affordable than anything near me or or anything in a big popular touristy up north location. It was, it was a perfect little pocket. Um, and so I went with it and I bought one and it, it just instantly started doing very, very well. Um, very fortunate for that. And then soon as I could, uh, went in for my second one. Same, same city, just about a mile apart. Okay. Wow. That's amazing. So can we talk about the first one? And, and so you found it through a realtor. She, so you bought it off the MLS. Was it a traditional, did you buy it as a vacation home or did you buy it as an investment? What was the down payment? All that kind of stuff. So yeah, good questions. I actually was able to get this off market kind of, um, my agent had a, a person she knew that was flipping houses and she told me, Hey, while we're looking at places, there's a flip that's going to come on the market soon. Uh, if I can get you in, do you want to take a look at it? So I went in and, and was able to put an offer on before it hit the market and I got it for, you know, I think I got it for asking, which in this market right now, uh, is, is a great deal. And I, I still believe it was a great deal. Um, it's a two bedroom home. Um, I'm sorry. Can you remind me the rest of your question? No, just keep going. I want to hear about the home. So two bedrooms, was it one bath, two baths? Yep. Two bed, one bath. And I love that for a short-term rental because two bedroom homes are, I think, undervalued in the normal market because they're not great for families, right? A three bedroom home is always going to sell better than a two bedroom home. But when you're listing on Airbnb, a B stays are for two to four people. So, so I decided to kind of stick with that uh, kind of range, two bedroom, one down as an investment property. That's the kind of loan that I did. And I was able to get it listed within two, I think three weeks for the first one. And I shortened it to two weeks for the second one um, from closing to listed on Airbnb. And it's been, it's been great. That's really interesting, your thought process about that too, because you're 100% right. I'm a realtor myself. And yeah, no one goes after those two bedrooms because of what you just said. And to have that, that um, intelligence to think, okay, if I get a two and two, I'm, I'm so much, I'm going to get a better deal and I'm bang for my buck. And I can, so, and not being like, not knowing really much about Airbnb did you have any information on the front end to know like that was like, how did you do your homework there? Did you know, did you like look at Airbnb, look at rates? Like, how did you know, like this was going to do okay? Right. So in the, in the summer before I even started looking, that's when I started doing my research um, and listening to podcasts, looking at bigger pockets, joining every Facebook group about Airbnb that I could, so I could kind of surround myself with this kind of person and have my you know news feeds flooded with people talking about short-term rentals, uh, and and that's how I learned so so much. And then I started looking on Airbnb 
uh, as a you know a potential guest, looking at places in the area, seeing what pictures worked well, what caught my eye, what what kind of looks good in a listing, and of course what prices uh, I could expect to to list my my home for, and looking out across the the year to see what kind of you know how the rates drop in the winter. And another big thing that I did was I looked at the Bay City website and joined Bay City Facebook groups to find out what kind of events are in the in the area and and what kind of you know what draws people into Bay City because it's not a huge vacation home but the way I see it is if there's if there are hotels in the area it's probably a good place for an Airbnb. You know, those big big hotel companies don't just put those things up willy-nilly. Um, they do their research. They know that there are things that draw people to an area. And in Bay City's case, it's an adorable town. And also there are big companies like Dow and a few hospitals in the area. And and there there's a handful of hotels and new condos going up. It's it's a hot place to be. So so all that research just kind of supported my my hunch that this would be a good place to invest. That's awesome. So, all right. So you buy the property. It's a, it's a flip. So it's not furnished, right? It was not furnished. So how did you go about furnishing it? Like, just like you would normally furnish a house. Did you, were you, did you order from Wayfair, Amazon? Like, what was your thought process there? Like, get it. I mean, don't go crazy on details, but like, did you, you know, did you, were you spending hours researching mattresses and sheets and, you know, what were your thoughts there? And how did you decide you know, on the, I guess, the overall decor of, of the property? Yeah, so with this first one, when it came to furnishing, I kind of went with my intuition. Uh, I, I decided to save on things that I felt I could save on. For example, the uh, dining table and chairs. I was able to find adorable uh, items for the for the kitchen that, that look great, they held up great, and a used dining table, as long as it's clean, is just as good, if not better, as a, a new one. It, it was a, a few years old, it had a nice, has a nice look, it's a turquoise that really pops. Um, dishes, I was able to get uh, at a garage sale that they were great, but if someone's moving and they wanna get rid of dishes, they gotta get rid of them cheap, so, so I didn't skimp. Uh, is always going to be the mattresses. I got brand new, very nice mattresses because you really want to wow someone when they crawl into bed, right? And the couch. I got the couch at Big Lots, which is a great place to shop. Um, and it's it's not super expensive, but it's it's not you know the most cheap options. I got a nice new couch. Um, and then for a coffee table, I actually make concrete coffee tables for people. Um, and I had one that I thought would work great in the space, and it did. And besides that, I mean, I got a TV stand at Walmart. It looks great. Uh, I got a, obviously a nice, a nice TV at Walmart as well. They have great options for things. And then Amazon was a big place for me to get bedding sets, towels. Um, you know, I didn't go overboard with the towels because I know that stains are going to happen, but I wanted to make sure I got something soft. Um, but like I said, cheap enough to where I could replace it whenever I need to. Um, what else, what else did I have to buy? Oh, that's, yeah, so, that's all really good yeah. stuff. And I think there's a lot of takeaways there. Sorry. My dogs are crazy in there. That's all right. They have new bones from yesterday that my wife brought <laughs> from a dog store and, and they, there's four of them, but they fight over one. They play fight, you know? So if, if <laughs> listeners can hear them, 
you know the drill. <laughs> it's like every episode there on my podcast. Um, no, you said a lot of really, I think, spot on when you're launching your first Airbnb, how to pick and choose like what you can get at a yard sale or a big lot and what you can't, you know, and, and the fact that you, you know, my wife did the same thing with dishes. We, she wanted all white dishes, but we wanted, we wanted, um, we didn't care if they matched, you know, but we wanted them to just to match color. So mm-hmm. she would, you know, buy them at thrift stores or wherever she could find them. And that's how we built up our, our, you know, number of plates up to where we wanted them to be. And um, the fact that you bought, you know, who cares if the, you know, if, if the kitchen table is used as long as it looks good, you know, like that stuff doesn't right. matter. But when it comes to the mattress and the intimacy of the bedroom, that's different. Right. So mm-hmm. um, I think well, how you did it was awesome. Yeah. Thank you. And then also, I think I had the, the location going for me because it, it's an up North kind of, I wanted a, a cute, cozy, almost cottage like vibe. So when it came to decor, I was able to get a lot from uh, garage sales, estate sales. My mom is an amazing shopper. She got some good artwork for me for 20 bucks. So I didn't need to make the place look super fancy. I was, it, it, it worked well to go with a cozy homey vibe. Yeah, that's great. All right. So you're, how long did it take to get the property ready after you closed on it? I would say three, maybe three or four weeks. I was only able to go up on weekends because of my, my job and the business. So I wasn't, I would have to plan out during the week exactly what I was going to tackle that, that weekend. Um, and then I would just keep going back and forth and back and forth until I had it up. And did you have it, did you, did you list it prior to those four weeks and not, and block dates off or did you wait until it was hundred percent ready um, to hit the publish button on, on Airbnb and was Airbnb the place you went or did you go to Verbo or like, what was like, what platform did you go first? Yeah, that's a, that's a good, I never thought about listing it before I was ready, but really the, the trigger for me to list was going to be my professional pictures. That was definitely a non-negotiable for me. I, I had seen the difference in listings when you can tell someone took pictures with their phones and it's, it's not somewhere you want to stay usually. So I wanted to wait till my pictures were up, but before the pictures could be up, I needed the place furnished and ready. So, so I really had to wait until everything was ready before I listed it. And I knew I wanted to go to Airbnb and VRBO. Those were the only two that I, that I knew of at the time. Um, and so I, at the same time, I listed it on both. And if it's okay, I don't want to jump the gun, but can I talk about how I'm able to kind of manage both at the same time? Yeah, absolutely. This is your yeah, so show. I- Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. So I use, uh, there's a lot of software out there that help people, you know, integrate calendars and manage bookings across platforms. I use one called Hospitable. It used to be called Smart B&B and I absolutely love it. I would recommend it to anyone. I should probably try some other ones with, with uh, the next house I'm, I'm getting close to closing on, but for now, Hospitable is, is great. It basically, it connects uh, my Airbnb and VRBO accounts. So when someone 
books on Airbnb. It blocks the calendar on VRBO. It will send out automated messages to, to guests, no matter which uh, platform they book on. It'll send messages to my cleaning person when it's time to clean. Uh, just fantastic. So Hospitable is really my my one-stop shop uh, where I go to message guests and, and manage my listings. So definitely a lifesaver there. No, that's great. I actually use them, um, oh. sort of. <laughs> yeah, um, so we we manage a lot a lot of homes, and uh, they're not my primary, um, and and not not because they're bad, just because uh, when you get to like forty houses, um, you kind of need a portal for owners, um, mm-hmm. and you need you need sophisticated, slightly sophisticated um, kind of reporting, you know. So, but with that said, I have one owner who we picked up that already was established pretty well on both Airbnb and Burbo. And I couldn't, uh, it's a long story, but my, I couldn't bring them into my software without breaking something on his end. So hospital was hospitable was my workaround, which were, they were smart B&B because anyway, it's about, it has to do with calendars. So anyway, it works great. I agree hundred percent. Um, how did you find them? You know, I think I I either heard of them on a podcast or just from doing some research and then used a, a free trial. They had a free trial period. And then uh, something I like about them, and some people might not like this, is their payment structure is the more they help you, the more you pay. So based on number of bookings each month, that's how much they charge you. I, I, I really, I enjoy that. We'll see if I keep enjoying that as I get more listings, I might wanna go down to something that is a, uh, a flat monthly fee. But for now, I think it makes sense. They, they're doing more for me, so I pay them more. I, I don't really have any complaints about that. And it's super reasonable, right? Uh, I know on my end for my one listing, I'm thinking, I wanna say it's like, I feel like I'm paying like 18 bucks a month. It's not a lot of money. Is that right? Yeah. Right. You know? Um, so did you build? So, all right. So that, so now you publish, you're on Airbnb and Burbo at the same time. Um, and you launch it with, um, your software. So that's managing. That's me. Hang on a second. <laughs> my, uh, my, my, uh, my guy. Hey, my guys are my guys are here. Okay. So with the mess, so you launch it. You're on Airbnb. You're using your software. Um, I'm guessing you. You know your goal was to be a super host, right? right? Um, did you do certain? So first of all, did you do certain things leading into the launch? that maybe people aren't thinking about other than furnishing the house. Did, were you doing any, obviously you were listening to podcasts, you were getting information, you were on all these Facebook groups, you were doing, you're self-educating yourself in the space. Um, was there anything? So then you were like, I, I want to have software um, probably for calendar management, but also for automation. Cause you're an hour and a half away and you have a full-time job. Um, were those the two main drivers, those two things or. Yes, definitely wanted to be automated for that reason. And I also, something that I, I needed to find was a, a cleaning partner who I could really depend on. And I, I interviewed, I mean, I talked to a few companies and I was actually able to find a lady who 
cleans for uh, Airbnbs for my real estate agent's partner who has some homes. And I talked to her and she is just fantastic. She is amazing, does extra little things for me that keep me from having to drive up there on random days because we uh, something needs to be fixed or, or anything. So she is just fantastic. And I think she's a secret weapon for my business for sure. And then on top of that, getting ready to launch, another thing I wanted to do was get to know the, the area better. So spent some, on those weekends when I was there, uh, getting the place ready, I would go out and, and find recommendations. I would talk to people and just try coffee shops and restaurants myself, make sure I could speak like a local to these people coming in because to them, I they are staying in my home, right? So they want to know that I know the place. So in my welcome letter, I'm able to to list some good spaces to to eat. And then I ask them for feedback too. Like, hey, did you try anything else that, that I didn't list? And, and I've gotten some good recommendations from my guests that I can then share with, with new guests. So that's been, it's been wonderful. Well, that's just a great idea. And I, I feel bad that I, I haven't done that, but that's, that's a great idea, you know, to, to solicit back information, specifically asking that question on what, and then honestly, you're simultaneously thinking like, how can I make my welcome book better? Um, all right. So that's, that's really good stuff. So did you, Knowing you wanted to be a super host and that was your goal, it's like pretty much everyone's goal when they think when they start is like, please give me five-star reviews. Um, did you, on Hospitable, hospitable, you have, to, you have to create the messages yourself, right? Your welcome message and any other messages you want that go out automatically. Or do they have, I don't remember, honestly, do they have an out, do they, do they have some preset messages and how did, how did you deal with that? I think they do have some preset messages, but I I really revamped them myself um, just to make it feel more more personal. And one thing that I I would love to get your opinion on, and, and when it comes to asking for five star reviews, like you said, I've heard of some people uh, saying at the end of the of the stay, say, "Hey, I hope you had a five star stay," and that just seemed I couldn't tell how I felt about that. Um, if it was too direct or, or tacky, but I, I send out a note automatically, I think three days after checkout, just saying, hey, I hope you had a great time and uh, I'll certainly be leaving you a good good review. And I, I make sure to change that if uh, my cleaning person uh, tells me that it was not a great, great review worthy. Um, but I kind of let them know, hey, I'm going to be reviewing you. And that usually is enough to, to get a, a, a review. Um, if not, I mean... I don't really do much more bugging than that, but I, I've been pretty steady with getting reviews from people. Yeah. And, and, and getting reviews is so important. And, and so, so I do kind of ask for it, honestly. Um, okay. and, and I debated it for a while. And I think what's important is I kind of, I don't know where I learned it. I'm, I'm probably a podcast. I did exactly what you did. I, I just dove headfirst into YouTube videos podcast. I think I bought, a, I bought a couple of books, not, not many books out there, but I bought a couple of books and, you know, every time I would listen, cause I was in my car a lot, I would pick up things and I would pull over, write some stuff down and I got to research this or research that. And I, I heard both sides of the ask for the five-star reviews, you know, story. And I felt like if, if I could build my messages in a way that drove comfort for the guest or you know making them feel really welcome 
then I could get away with asking that question. And I don't flat out ask it like, give us a five-star review. I basically say kind of what you said is, if you really enjoyed your stay, please you know, give us a five-star review because Airbnb looks at anything less as, as not, I don't know how I say it exactly, but basically you get my, um, my drift. And then, you know, if you have feedback for us, we want it, you know, we want to improve your stay next time. So please, you know, message us any kind of feedback and what it does. I've never had anyone. Well, I haven't felt like anyone was offended by the way I scripted it. And I get, I probably get 98% reviews, like 98% of the people, maybe 99% will give us a review. You know, it might not all be five stars, but most of them are, you know, we're at like a, I don't know, 4.95 or 4.96 rating on literally 500 plus reviews. Um, so, so yeah, I, I just, I'm a hospital, but a hospitality person that's in my core of what I do. I, I was a restaurant guy for years before I retired, quote unquote, <clears throat> and started doing this full time. And everything we do is to welcome them home. You know, they make that your place feel like a home away from home because they're coming right. to, to the White Mountains to build memories. So that's that's kind of at the core. So, you know, anyway, um, but that's really interesting. So I think you could do it, you know, and get away with it without, um, but I understand both sides of asking that question or not. So who are your guests, Phil? Like who's coming up there? Cause you said at the beginning, there's hotels, there's stuff going on. There's big companies. Are you, if you're not a pure vacation place, are you getting nurses? Are you get like, are you getting businessmen? Are people working away, working working from your house? And did you take that into consideration? Yes, it really interests me um, hearing why people are coming to stay. And there are a handful of people who, who come for vacation. It's, it's a great place to vacation, but a, a lot of people come for the hospitals. There's travel nurses who have been asking to stay for you know a month to three months at a time. I've gotten people who are working in they're coming to work at one of the uh, businesses there, whether it's Dow Chemical or one of the energy uh, companies. Uh, I get a lot of people who are just taking road trips and, and Bay City is a great place for them to rest for the night. Or maybe they're going up north, up north way to maybe the UP of Michigan and Bay City is a nice halfway point. I've gotten a few people uh, visiting family. I think maybe there's a, a large... Uh, elderly, I guess I don't know the median age of the town, but I, there's a lot of young people now, but I think a lot of the population is is older. So I think people come to visit their, their parents and their families up there. Um, so it's a really good mix. And I really enjoy hearing why people are coming. So maybe I can try to tailor my experience going forward to the kind of um, user, uh, well, sorry, that's, that's the IT side of me coming out, guess, the kind of guess that I'm getting. <laughs> And most of them are driving to you or they're not flying in, I'm guessing. Yes, most of them are driving. And I've had a couple really long road trips. A couple of people came from out west um, and maybe they're driving across country to the east and, and they stop in Bay City. But yeah, I think mostly driving. Awesome. That's good. And do you allow uh, pets or no? No, absolutely not. Uh, I had one one lady who was a she was staying for three months uh, working for one of the energy companies, and she brought a cat 
I said that was fine. She said the cat was very clean and, and it was, um, but no dogs because I, I got really nice wood floors. I don't want them scratched up. I don't want the hair everywhere. Uh, I, I, I don't, I'm not going to add a pet fee. There's not really an amount of money that'll make me comfortable with it. So, so no pets. Gotcha. All right. So at the beginning or somewhere in the beginning of our podcast, you talked about, you had a passion for hosp um, hospitality and normally a techie guy um, how to, like doesn't have that, right? So how did you, how did you figure that out? Because some, some people get into this business not realizing how important it is. It, believe it or not, they just don't, you know, whether it's how they exchange in, in conversations with guests or, you know, some people aren't made for that part of the business. Um, sounds like you're, you knew right away that you had to be. So what, what did you, like, how did you think through that? Yeah. I, you know, hospitality to me is a, is a mindset. It's, it's not just the, the business of hospitality. It's how you interact with, with people when they come over to your house. I love hosting parties. I love making people feel welcome. Even when I just see a friend, um, I, I just enjoy warm exchanges. And to me, being in IT for my main job, I, I wasn't able to really dive into my passion for hospitality. So, so that's kind of, that's kind of why I dove into this as a, as a, a side project, because I wanted to get that. I wanted to scratch that itch uh, for making people feel welcome. And when it comes to, you know, wanting to be a super host, it was more about what it represented. You know, the, having the badge is, is nice and it helps draw people to my listing. But, you know, being a super host means that you respond to people. It means your place is clean and, and welcoming and inviting and the value is good. And, and it was to me, the, the checklist items that you have to hit to be a super host um, are, are what hospitality is all about for me. Yeah, no, that's great. Now, you know, the other thing, that that maybe was glossed over was how you found your cleaner and you know i'm guessing that was top mind awareness when you first got into this is like all right i'm an hour and a half away you know i don't want to i don't want to clean it right um especially with a full-time job so um the fact that you did you when a person i'm uh, you obviously built you know, you built a relationship with the seller of that flip or through your realtor, either way, um, you started asking questions like, who do you guys use for cleaners? I'm guessing. Yeah, it actually wasn't the, it wasn't the person that did the flip. It was, um, my agent's partner agent that she works with. He has a few Airbnbs and, and he recommended to me this, this person that cleans his and, uh, it was it was really a no brainer because I had talked to a few companies in the area and they're like, well, we don't specialize in it, but we could probably do it. And that obviously left me a little uneasy because I had I had formulated a, a list of cleaning items that I really needed to make sure happened, and I needed to make sure that the person I chose could could handle a, a turnaround time of you know four four or five hours if there was a checkout and a check in on the same day. And so when I found this person who that's all she does is short-term rental cleanings. I knew she was the one um, and it's, she has never let me down. Just perfect partner. Awesome. That's great. I mean, the most important person on the team by far is the cleaner in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So I don't care how many houses you have, 
<clears throat> if it's one or if it's a hundred, the cleaning team is critical. Um, Absolutely. They, really, they own, they own, they own, you know, your fate really. They, they, they treat them like gold, man. We were just talking this morning about giving out Christmas bonuses, you know, $500, $250 for, for our cleaners. And that's, that's awesome. That's how important they are to me. And I will randomly do that like without a special occasion, just cause one, I, you know, they're just critical. So, all right. So does she do the laundry too? Then I'm guessing. She does. She comes in and I think the first thing she does is, well, I have, I have the guests leave the, leave the sheets and the towels on the floor and then she tosses them in the wash while she cleans the house. I don't know her whole process, but she has it down to a science. Um, She does everything. And then her son actually mows my lawns and, um, and I think he's, he's raking the leaves as well now that it's fall and he is going to be shoveling the snow. Um, and he's, I think he's a high school kid. Uh, I try to treat him well. And, and uh, I, I love that it's a, it's a family kind of operation going on. That's awesome. Yeah. And I, yeah. we talked before that we started hitting record here about winterizing and I want to get into that in a second, but um, so <clears throat> does she get your entire cleaning fee? She, you mean what I charge the guests? Yeah. Or do you, she, she gets get more? more. Yes. yes. The more. cleaning fee that I charge is about 25% less than what I pay her. So some comes out of my pocket, um, but absolutely worth it. Yeah. That's really interesting. Um, but really she's more than a cleaner in, 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 in a lot of ways. Like she's your, she's your boots on the ground, right? I see her as a, property manager almost. I mean, she, she tells me if uh, anything needs fixing or replacing, she sends me a walkthrough video after every cleaning. Wow. Um, That's great. Just, just amazing. And she, obviously she looks at the lawn and says to her son, uh, you know, I, you need to come mow this lawn. So it, it takes a lot of uh, effort off of, of my plate. So, so she is worth more than an average cleaning fee for sure. Yeah. And if it's a hundred bucks, then you're paying her 125, 25% more, whatever the number is so worth it. <laughs> so that's, right. a, that's a deal. Um, mm-hmm. Because if you had a property management company, you know, just take the big one, like Vacasa is like 35%, I think. So, um, mm-hmm. so yeah. So like, that's worth it, worth it. She's worth her weight in gold. Um, all right. So let's talk about winterizing and stuff. Cause we also in, are in a winter you know, a winter climate up here. We're, we're getting ready for ski season. So what, talk us through that a little bit um, for our listeners. Cause you, you said something before we started recording that I thought was really interesting. You said, if I'm doing it for my own home, I know I need to do it for my other two. Uh, right. So why don't we take us through like some of the things you've done already and what you're, what you, what you got to do still. Yeah. So I think before I talk about winterizing, I should talk about how I summarized because um, when it got hot up in up in uh, Bay City, I that's when I bought the houses and I this one didn't have central AC, the first one. So I, I had a bunch of high powered fans. I had an AC unit in the uh, main dining room area. It's kind of a shotgun house. So it's a, it's a straight shot from the front door to the back door. And, and I thought this AC unit was going to be great for the whole house. I quickly found in a couple of my reviews that it was, it was a little hot and, and I thought, well, okay, maybe they're just, maybe they're just a little, 
hypersensitive, uh, but I'll keep an eye on it and see if I need to do something else because um, I had fans in every room. And then it was a, I guess it was a really hot day, a hot weekend, and I had guests staying and they're like, this is, this is unbearable. It's very, very hot in here. And I, I didn't know what to do because the windows, it was, it's, a, it's an old house, I think 1900, and the windows seemed too narrow for any window AC that I had ever seen. So I, in a panic, I had my real estate agent friend actually find some really great fans um, from Home Depot. I had her buy a bunch and I said, please drop them off and, and you know, let them use them however they want. And the, the guest replied to me, she's like, we don't want fans. I'm going to go out and try to find you an AC unit, uh, window AC units for the bedrooms because they had a baby staying in one room. So I get it. And just I, I couldn't have asked for a better guest to be in this scenario because although she was she was a little mad at the heat, she went out and, and got the AC units for me and her and her husband installed them. So I paid them for the for the units and I gave them half off their stay because I was so appreciative um, and, and that that saved me. So my, my main complaints, uh, really the only reason I've ever gotten below a five star is because it was hot and, and so she really saved me. Um, so now getting to the winterizing, um, first thing I did was remove those AC units and I, I took pictures of how they installed them so I could replicate it because I obviously wasn't there for the installation. And I pack up the hardware, the screws they use, uh, put them in baggies and tape them to the units. Um, and then I put everything in the basement. And then I obviously I turn off the, uh, the water to the hose outside. Um, I only was reminded of that because I knew I had to do it for my own house. So uh, turning off the hose. Um, another thing was uh, spray in insulation or, or blown in insulation like you mentioned you're having done right now. I, uh, the inspection I had for the first house, he's like, you have no insulation in the attic. You need to get this done. Um, in the summertime, I didn't really worry about it, but I know it's going to be a money saver for the winter. So on Friday, I actually have a company coming to, to blow that in for me. And then uh, as I got home from my winterizing weekend where I took in all the, the AC units, it, I realized that uh, it, it started snowing a couple of days later. So I thought, you know, I forgot to get shovels and salt. So I went up the next weekend and got those, put them in the, in the shed for my cleaning person's son. He's going to do the the salting and shoveling and, and, and raking. I got him a rake and some yard bags as well. So just little things. I'm lucky it only took me two trips to remember everything. I mean, who knows? I might remember something else tomorrow that I need for the house, but, but uh, really two, two trips up there was all it took for me to get it ready for the winter, I think. No, that's fantastic. And, you know, very important if you miss some of those things and then, and then all of a sudden you're, you know, get a foot of snow or whatever. And you're like, Oh boy, you know, <laughs> God forbid you forgot the shovel or the ice or the melt or whatever it is. So uh, really, really important. And I think on two fronts, you know, you're kind of the owner and the manager and a lot of owners, if you're listening to this podcast, you, you need to own it, you know, like you need to own, own, own your property or at least have conversations. Cause as a property manager, um, it's not like guaranteed, like for example, salt and I, you know, salt buckets that, that your property manager is going to take care of that stuff or having a shovel at your house, for example. So, okay. Um, so you bought two houses, how far apart were, were they from in months? 
let's see, I bought one, I think they were, two, let's see, May and then July, I think two months apart. Wow, that is really fast. So yeah. How, why did that happen? How did that happen? Was it planned or did you want to right off the get-go? Or did, you know, for me, I'm all for it, by the way. Um, but normally I'd like, I personally would want a proof of concept. Like the first house has a, you know, six to 12 months of history to, to prove itself. Like, all right, I'm going to get the right return on my investment. Um, it seems like you were, you, you had that figured out. You know, I, I like to move fast and often I move too fast uh, where I, I just I get really tunnel focused on something. And, and I loved what was going on. And I was pleasantly surprised with the how the bookings were going uh, right off the bat. And I thought, I, I want to replicate this. I want to do it again. And it it worked out for me. I'm glad I did it. Uh, you know, I, I, I had money saved up for a home before I knew the prices in Bay City because I was still looking around. And as I mentioned, the, the value in Bay City was just amazing. Um, so I was able to, to yeah, I had the money saved up for two. It really took everything I had. I had to liquidate some other investments, but uh, I knew it was what I wanted to do. I knew it was working and I thought, well, if I'm booked this much, you know, I, I haven't tapped out the market. Let me try it again. And um, I'm glad I did it. It has worked out. I, I'm not sure if I would add another. I, I need to wait a little longer um, to see how these properties do for a full year before I think about adding another in the area. But I think too, uh, it, it has worked out for me so far. That's great. Congratulations. Was Thank the second you. one similar to the first where um, you didn't have to really do much or any work to it or... There was a little more work in this one. I mean, nothing structural. I had to add gutters and I had to build a uh, railing around the back deck um, just because I, I knew when I looked at it and this was a safety issue. But for the most part, it was it was all ready. It, it ha it's not as new, I guess, up to date as the first one, but it has a cottage vibe it's very open it, it's a great place um it's right on the water so uh, i got a fishing tour boat guide last uh, two weeks ago he was up taking some customers fishing um so That's really cool. not a lot of work more work than the first one but i was actually able to shorten my turnaround time to two weekends so i closed on a friday and i was listed on the following saturday night so a wow. little more work, but I really had my, my stuff figured out to, to expedite the process. Oh, that's fantastic. And how Thank far you. are the houses from, from each other? They are about you know, maybe, maybe two miles. Oh, that's really close. That's good. Maybe two miles. Yeah. I mean, that's really, in my opinion, really smart because now your cleaner can go to both relatively, well, really easily. Right. And then right. you got her son that can do both winter winter jobs and summer mowing if you had mowing on both so i think that's really smart well congrats on both of those so you said you're going to wait a little bit but do you think like what is your well let me ask you this question first have you have you has anyone ever has any anyone reached out or have you thought about well maybe i'll do this for other people so I, I have thought about that, and I'm actually considering getting my 
uh, real estate license as well. Uh, I'm I'm studying on and off, um, and I, I think it would be cool to really help potential investors um, find places and then say, hey, you know, I also manage properties. I'd love to be your your property manager, your co-host. Um, haven't made a ton of progress on that because I am actually looking at my third house in Louisville, Kentucky. And the oh. way this happened is I, I'm this, this friend of mine uh, wanted to get into it and she knows I have all this experience. And so she contacted me to kind of, so it, it's a little bit of that helping someone out, but I am also owning half of the house. Oh, and she lives down there. No, she lives up here with me. Um, but my brother lives in Louisville and, and she visited there with me once and um, she just fell in love with the area. So, so we both agreed that it would be a great place to invest. I mean, you got the Kentucky Derby pulling in $1,000 a night for Airbnbs um, for that week. Just a great place to be. And also, I look at it as, you know, what, where would I want to go stay for a weekend? Almost like a, almost like a free vacation if I can have a place and block off a weekend whenever I want. And I love it down there as well. Um, so it, it was definitely, it's, it's a good experience with our first out of state, um, house and it, it's brought a whole lot of new learnings and I'm sure it will continue to, but I'm excited for the challenge. Okay. So you, you already own this house. You guys already have it's, it. We're in the process. We just had the appraisal come through. Oh, um, wow. it, it's taken a while because the, the inspection came through with a bunch of fixes that needed to happen. And part of our, um, what we wanted to do was we didn't want to do any, any fixes because of the distance. We didn't want to have to go down and, and fix something and come back and forth, back and forth. So we said to the, the seller, you know, we, we need you to do all of the, all of the fixes. And they at first said no. And so we said no. And then they said, okay, we'll do them all. So we lucked out. And they, they have been working on all the fixes and I think they just finished. So the appraisal just happened. And now we're just waiting on some, we're waiting on a walkthrough uh, video tour to make sure everything's done. And also uh, we want to see the invoices for everything that they did. Gotcha. So you, do you drive there from Michigan or is that a flight? That is a drive. It's, it's about five and a half hours. And I mean, it's going to, it's going to work out well where I can stay for a weekend with my brother, uh, spend time with him. So it's not just driving out to, to, to nowhere. Um, I've been there a lot. I really enjoy the town, but, but yeah, it'll be a, you know, we'll go there for uh, a few days at a time to do the closing and then get the place ready to list. That's great. And, and, and describe that house a little bit. Is it along the same lines as your other two, or is it, a, did you go in a different direction? You know, it, it's similar in that it is a two-bedroom, one-bathroom. Uh, it's actually another shotgun house like my first one. They call it a shotgun camelback. I had never heard of that term, but it is, um, you know, long and narrow. And then on the back half of it, it raises up, and that's where the, where the upstairs bedroom is. Um, it's, it's in an up-and-coming area of town. It's not a super popular area, but I hear nothing but good things about where it's headed. Um, and really anywhere in Louisville, I see being good for that Kentucky Derby traffic. Um, and just there's so much that the town has to offer. Um, and, and Louisville, I don't know if you're familiar, it has a bunch of 
little downtowns. So there's not just one central downtown, there's all these neighborhoods and each of them has a lot to offer. There are restaurants and bars in pretty much any place you go to. So, so this is a new area for me. Um, so I'll have to do kind of what I did for Bay City, uh, which is spend some time there, get to know what to recommend, get to know the area and the neighbors. Um, but, but I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, and it's all a tax write-off, right? So that's awesome. Exactly. <laughs> Every time I go somewhere now, I always say, this is a tax write-off. I'm doing some market research. Anytime I go anywhere new, I was in New Orleans for uh, a friend's bachelor party the other weekend, and I'm trying to save all my receipts up and say, hey, this is market research. If I ever want to get a place Absolutely. in uh, New Orleans, I got to know the area. I got to eat like the locals eat, you know? 100%, no doubt. So, you know, we did similar to what you did. Um, we bought a house in the Outer Banks in North Carolina as a as an investment. So we're about 10 days away from going to it for the first time. So awesome. Wow. It, it was in a rental program for six months that you have to honor in North Carolina. You can't break it. And this was the first time it hasn't been booked. So um, yeah, we're driving down. It's a big, it's a long trip for us, but we're bringing dogs and cats and that's the only way for us to get there. So we're excited. Wow. Though. And same deal though. I was like, all right, uh, I woke up in March up here and it was like minus three or whatever. And I'm like, all right, if I could just get the 50 degrees right now, I think it would change my mindset. So we're, you know, that's why we, we, we went on the mission to buy something down there. We didn't start. Right. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty exciting. So you know, from an investment standpoint, it's not it's not as good if, as if we bought one here. You know, it's it's uh, not losing money anyway. So, uh, yeah. long term, it'll be fine. <clears throat> you know. So, all right, what's what is next, Phil? Like we're we're at an hour, and I think at the beginning I was like, you'll be. I'm amazed every time because these thing these podcasts they go by so fast, and it's like I can't believe it's nine o'clock right now. So, what's the future though for you? Like keep. If this keeps going, just keep buying, you know, one a year, two a year. Is that the plan? You know, I have a, I have a goal. Um, it, it's kind of a lofty goal, but that's how your goal should be, right? Pretty, pretty challenging to get um, two more before my birthday in April. And I think, it, I think it'll be possible if I count Louisville as one. So I want that. And then, then I got to look further out. And, and my goal is just to keep going. I, I don't know how many I really want overall, but eventually I would love to do this full time. And, um, you know, obviously it's not passive, but it's something I really enjoy. And it, I mean, the returns for the work I am putting in is, is, is amazing. Um, so I, I just want to keep going. I'm going to see how Louisville does and then maybe expand somewhere out West. I enjoy the mountains. Um, and then maybe somewhere in Miami, Miami's been calling me. So eventually once I maybe get used to, the out-of-state managing with Louisville, I might might go down to Miami. Huh, awesome. That would be great. Well, let's keep in touch on that. So um, I would I would love to have you back on. Um, I'd love to have you back on once you have Louisville up and running for a bit. And then if you get Miami going, that'd be cool. So yeah, maybe in six months, 12 months, whatever, you know, let's just keep in touch. That'd be great. That'd Please, be so, so great, um, Peter. I, I hope you'll have me on anytime you want. I would love to. I'm having a great time here. Awesome, yeah. It's a really good story, you know. And I think a lot of times we don't realize our story's good. You know, we don't realize that we can touch someone out there. I, I was on a podcast like right at the beginning. I think I, I, I had just signed like my first five or ten clients, and uh, 
I still sometimes get people reaching out to me about it. You know, it's, it's amazing. You're like, you don't think about your story as being special, but it really is. So I right. think your story's great. I mean, there's so many good takeaways off the episode. So is there anything that you kind of wanted to talk about that we haven't talked about or brought up? Hmm. Great question. You know, I'm, I'm blanking. I'm sure I'm going to think of something as soon as we hang up. Um, <laughs> but let's see, why am I going up this weekend? I guess I got to do the blown in insulation. I already talked about that. You know, I think we, I think we covered everything. Um, oh, one thing just uh, that I am glad I invested in uh, mattress and pillow protectors. Oh, so yeah. you want to protect those investments. Like I mentioned, I don't skimp on the mattresses and I like to get nice soft pillows. Um, and I would rather just lose a pillowcase than the whole pillow. So get some mattress protectors and pillow protectors that are soft and don't feel like plastic. They are out there. Just one, uh, word of advice to anyone listening. 100% agree. Ha that's a must have, non-negotiable. Because Definitely. you're right. If you ruin a mattress, that's $1,000. If you ruin a cover, it's whatever the cover costs. And I have no idea what that costs. My wife's in charge of that side. So. <laughs> um, now, <clears throat> I just want to thank you, Phil, for your time. Thank you for a great episode. What is the best place if someone wants to learn or even follow along with your journey uh, for them to do so? Yeah. First of all, thank you so, so much for having me. Uh, this was definitely the highlight of my week. I, I really appreciate it and I'm honored. Um, if people want to learn more about my journey, I have a blog called Slay the Short Stay. It is at www.slaytheshortstay.com. And really, I'm just I'm making posts every week or every other week uh, documenting my journey. Being so new, um, it, it helps me to write things down and I hope it'll help some other people as well. Uh, I think you'll find some value in it. And there is also a contact page on the website where you can contact me and I will personally get back to you. I love the name. Slay Thank you. The short stay. That's awesome. Um, very good. And, uh, we'll, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Thank you. All right, Phil, I wish you the best. Um, continued success and have a great day. Peter, thank you, my friend. I'm looking forward to staying in touch. Um, I would love to be on if you'll have me again. And, and I'm, I'm excited to hear where you go next with your journey.